my career really didn't move forward until I got very honest with myself, with my marriage, where I was at, what I wanted, how I felt as a woman and what I, you know, and what I wanted, you know, as a woman in my career, you know, when I worked through all that, as hard as that all was and got to the other side, didn't hit and uh, didn't go around the door, but went through that door. That's when I think things really, other opportunities really started to open up for me. And in part, because you start to build confidence, you start to believe in yourself again, you start to shift your, the dialogue from sort of this, why me? Why does this always happen to me? Why? And I remember this so well, because I was very much in this, why me? God, this sucks. Why me? This isn't my brothers. This isn't my friends. This isn't me. This isn't what the life I set out to live. And then I finally started to shift and thought, why not me? Like, why not me? Why not that opportunity? Why Why am I not the best person for that role? And I realized it all started with me. Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who has been listening to this podcast. Surprisingly, I just rounded the corner of over three years of creating content, just like the discussion we'll be sharing today. And it has been nothing but an absolute honor to interview the incredible guests that have been a part of this show. I hope you can all continue to take something away from each episode. I surely have become such a stronger human being, both at home and in my professional life, as a result of these discussions and this amazing audience. And I have mentioned this before in the past and in other introductions. I just can't say how much these discussions have helped shape me as a human being. Thank you for listening and being a part of this journey with me. And here we go. We're continuing on that very same journey. As many of you know now, and certainly at the time of this recording on April 21st of 2021, the verdict for Derek Chauvin has been finalized, and he has been found guilty with murdering George Floyd, May 25th of 2020. Personally, the events across the last year have been very hard for me to digest and understand. While I believe there are very good people in our country's police force, There's so much room for toxic and lethal behavior that impact our peers around us. And the reality is there are toxic people everywhere, including at work, in our families, and at times in our friendships. Those same negative characteristics, they just cannot exist in how we police. And that's just my opinion. I think that's an objective observation of the reality. And unfortunately, it directly impacts our black and brown peers more than anyone else. Being a mixed black man myself and having listened to the stories my black father has told me of very sad and life-threatening events that have taken place in his own life with the police, it brings me a small measure of peace for at least just a moment that our collective system may actually be taking the necessary action of changing the social constructs of our country. 
thinking back to all the protests, the anger, the frustration, the sadness that has finally broken through the interest barrier of the larger population of this country more than anything else, I am just so very proud to see the black community continue to fight through adversity, to fight for what's right, and to very, very patiently continue to absorb, deflect, and resurrect themselves across all the hardship that has been put on their shoulders from the very beginning of our history. I'm going to continue to elevate the voices of these special communities on this very podcast and elsewhere, wherever I can. And by listening to these discussions and sharing with others, you too are empowering the people and organizations in our world to grow with empathy, strength, and love for the people that need it most. And now for today's discussion. Today's episode is a Simply Tech live interview recorded February 25th, 2021, featuring my co-host Ali Mazahari and our very special guest, Katie Brown, Vice President of Enterprise Sales for the West Region, Microsoft United States. Both Ali and I have shared the distinct pleasure of working with Katie and her senior leadership team professionally at Microsoft. But in preparation for an execution of this very discussion, we had the wonderful opportunity to get to know Katie on a more personal level and to really understand her own journey of overcoming adversity and how it has shaped her as a leader. The discussion will cover everything, including hard decisions Katie had to make to take better care of her teams and people in the wake of the pandemic, as folks had to really show up more than they ever had for their customers, partners, and families. We will discuss Katie's reflections and adjustments and how she has been taking care of herself and showing up as her best self across the past year, as well as some guiding learnings and perspectives she's had to develop while navigating through challenges in her personal life. So we really, we really get in deep with some of these topics with Katie. We are so happy to deliver and share a truly special episode with all of you. We all need to hear more voices of vulnerability courage, and strength as we continue to help each other navigate very challenging moments and as we move through life and adapt, struggle, and learn through our individual journeys. I hope this episode finds you well and carries you through any special or challenging circumstances you could be facing or gives you the inspiration to seize the incredible opportunity to help and guide someone else closer to their best self. Thank you for listening. Now we bring you Katie Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Simply Tech Live. This is your first time tuning in. Simply Tech Live is a collection of discussions with technologists and business leaders on the evolving landscape of technology. And of course, one of the most important components of technology is the human component. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit about leadership. Ali, can you talk about this amazing guest that we have set up for today? I am super excited. And again, I mean, we've had amazing guests in the past, but this one is kind of special because I've had a privilege to work with this awesome leader. I would consider her one of the best inside Microsoft. I've been working at Microsoft for 15 years, but the story and, you know, as we kind of discuss about this specific leader and her journey within Microsoft is going to be something that, you know, we will learn a ton from it. And I'm really looking forward to have the, the dialogue and conversation. I know we plan this long time ago, but super excited that finally we have her on stage. Maybe it's a good time to 
do the you know formal introduction. Yeah, yeah. And this is a live discussion, so we're inviting everyone to please ask questions, add comments. You can talk amongst yourself in the live chat here on LinkedIn as we bring in the Vice President of Enterprise Sales for the REST region at Microsoft, Katie Brown. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hey, Katie, how you doing? I am good. I am good. Already a busy morning, but I've really been looking forward to this conversation and really appreciate you guys inviting me to join this live broadcast. Perfect. Perfect. We were just you know, chatting before we got on today and we didn't have the chance to ask you, you know, what is giving you energy today? Today? Well, I usually like to start my day with some kind of workout. And so that's been hard with the gyms closed. And so I had an opportunity to go out for a short run before the day got going. So I always appreciate that. And that does give me some energy to get the day off to a good start. Awesome. Awesome. So let's jump right into the conversation. Uh, One of the things that I would like to ask you personally, again, like anybody in this world, for the past 12 months, we went through a lot of changes. And when you think about the business, like uh, the MTCs are working closely with your team and you know everybody else inside the US territory. But how have you seen the team efforts and you know the organization has changed and adapted due to COVID and you know from where we were 12 months ago and where we are today? And how do you see you know the next 12 months as we kind of evolve with this new normal? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I'm not going to kid you. It's been hard. It's been really hard. It's hard to believe we're one year in. I have been in my home office (laughs) pretty much the entire time. And as someone in sales, anyone in sales or in the jobs, you know, I miss being in the office. I miss being with the team. I miss seeing customers. I miss being on the road. I miss the stupid stuff like being in traffic and waiting for flights. But this is, you know, our new reality. And so it's, it's been hard and it's not lost on me how hard it's been you know, for my team. And I think the hardest part of it is what we've all recognized is, is that we've take we're now taking on, you know, many different roles, you know, at home and at work. And it's hard to know when the day ends. And so we always laugh. It's like Groundhog Day again. Here we go again. So, you know, I think people are just doing the best they possibly can just to work through this incredibly challenging time. And for what the future holds, gosh, I don't know. You know, I I think we're going to move probably more to a hybrid state. I can't believe we'll actually go back to how how it was. But we're just trying to figure that out right now. But I think first and foremost, we want to make sure that our team and people's safety and well-being, that has to come first. And so whatever decisions are made, that will remain you know, top of mind for us as we think about as we return to work. And uh, what is the message from the customers? I know you, know you meet with leaders virtually these days using Teams, for example. But what are you hearing from the customer side? I mean, I assume that going through the same journey, is it in any way changing the way they think about how they're going to invest in their technology and Microsoft Cloud Solution and other technologies that they want to use. Has anything changed from like last year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's changed a lot for our customer landscape. I think many of them had to figure out how to mobilize and work remotely very, very quickly. Some of them were already doing that and others weren't. And so and it's, it's great. It's all, you know, because many of the customers really leaned on Microsoft to help them, you know, figure out how to work remotely, but in a secure way and relied on our technology. And we've, I think I'm super proud of the team and how they've really rallied to help the customers 
do that and enable it. You know, I think we're all in a very similar situation. I often tell people, hey, look, it works right now because we're all working remotely. I personally feel like when it's going to get really hard is when some people are in the office, some people are working remotely, you know, and still trying to have ensure everyone feels included and inclusive, you know, in the conversation and respect where people feel, how people feel about being back in the office. And so I think that's kind of the big challenge on the horizon that I've been talking to customers a lot about. Something interesting that came up in one of the meetings that we had with you, we were talking about the business, you know, between NTC and, you know, the West uh, OU. Mm -hmm. And you had a question about like, you know, what's the business looking on your side? Are you guys busier or not? And we look at the dashboard and we told you that, hey, you know, we're even busier than last year. And one thing that we see as a trend is by using technology like Teams, it actually brings us even closer to the customer. Like in the past, we had to ask them to come to the centers. It was sometimes pain, like dealing with traffic, but now it's going to be much easier. But it's more like a double-edged sword because also it gets us more busier than before. Yes. And then how to manage the meetings after meetings yeah. after meetings. So I can assume, or imagine, you know, what your day looks like, like, you know, from day to day, like your schedule is going to be filled, right? Yeah. How do you deal with this change? Like, you know, from a leadership point of view or like, you know, how you manage your time efficiently? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, look, we've all been in meetings all day long, but it's very different being on meetings, one, remotely, and then two, on video all day. It is a lot harder because you get energy from people, you know, when you're in the room with them, you bounce energy back and forth. And so it's a lot harder to do that on video. So I'm trying really hard to build in more breaks. Um, you know, in my day, I've actually shifted my meetings and I'm encouraging my team to do the same instead of 30 minute meetings to 25 minute meetings, start five minutes after the hour versus finishing five minutes early. Cause everybody always takes that additional five minutes. You know, yesterday I had two one-on-one -on -one meetings and I grabbed my dog and I walked for an hour and took those two one-on-ones. It's just the way you just, you do what you can just to manage, you know, through the day. Cause this is so much harder than being in person and being in the office, especially when you're doing it all day long. I mean, the good news is you do have, I think, much greater accessibility to people, including our customers, and they really are carving out time to meet with you. But boy, it drains a lot more out of you, you know, doing it all day. And so you just need to be sensitive to that as well. One of the things, and I'm so glad that you asked that question, Ali, about kind of understanding from Katie's perspective, like, how does she's managing her time? And then, and Katie, you mentioned you're really taking a, a really long and hard look with empathy and proximity into how others are working in your organization. And you're no stranger to being able to adopt new ways of working and injecting new thinking into your organization. Can you talk about what you've been doing to help some of these folks? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was back in, I think it was late October timeframe. And I was having a conversation with my business manager and we were just talking about the health and well-being of the folks within our region. And he was really honest. He said, look, people are burnt out. They're overwhelmed. They're working long, way too long hours. They're not spending enough time with customers, way too much time on internal meetings. And I was feeling the same. And so we just made the decision. We're like, you know what? Why don't we just gave the whole month of November back? Let's remove every single internal meeting within our control that we create and give them, give that time back and give that time back so that, you know, people can 
spend more time with customers, with partners, finish their training, with their family, their own well-being. And it was so funny because my business manager said, he goes, can we do that? Who do we need to get permission from? I said, you know what? We're just going to do it. I said, this is so important. We have to reset. We have to drive greater balance in our days. And we have to optimize our time in our days with our customers and with our partners. And I'll take the heat. Don't worry about that. Let's just go ahead and do it. And we did it. And I think it went over very well. Because one of the things I also told the team is like, we still have a business to run. So I can't, uh, you know, we can't fall back on our business priorities. And so it just meant I had to rely more on the tools to get updates for internal briefs. And so I said, look, I still need to rely on you to update the tools so that we can meet our financial responsibilities, but we're not going to do additional internal meetings to get those updates. And it went over well. I think it went over very well. It's interesting. I mean, one of the best memories that I had, at least, you know, for this past 12 months is the holiday events that you have and, you know, coordinated. And the one that I joined, I'm an avid scotch drinker, Mm -hmm. I like single malt. And it was so much fun to just, you know, be with the rest of the team virtually and go through something that engaging that and that fun. And again, I want to thank you for your leadership and not just to make all of us accountable to make sure that we're going we're gonna to meet our requirements to, you know, meet the demand, but also bring a little bit of like, you know, fun to make sure that working is still fun, even though we're not seeing each other in person. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that as well. You know, in addition to giving time back, we also tried to incorporate some level of fun and social events. I think we said, did this West region got talent and, you know, we just did different wine tasting events. And I know a lot of companies are doing that as well, but it's important provide a level of connection, you know, with one another. The other thing we did that probably went over, I think the best of everything was, is we we stop working its laptops down one o'clock on Fridays. So it's half day Fridays. And I just said, look at one o'clock on Fridays, that is your time. That is your time to spend how you choose. But I do not want you working. I do not want you doing emails. I do not want you in meetings and we all have to abide by it. And just an overwhelming positive response, you know, from the teams. And I would say that productivity is even increased while people are working, receiving a higher level of productivity. And people really look forward to having that afternoon off before even they hit the weekend. And some people choose to to catch up on training. Some people use it to, they can use it to catch up on email, but we ask not to send it because if they see you sending email, then they'll feel as if that's creating work. And I have to abide by that as well. And it's been really, really nice. There's a question, Haiti just sent a question to you, which is related to the topic that you were just talking about. And she's asking, what tips can you give for your team to maintain a healthy work-life balance, especially when some team members are working from home? which is kind of alluded to what you just shared, but any other insight or any other tips that you want to share? Yeah, you know, I just think it's super important to create boundaries in your day, you know, figure out what's most important. And, you know, I, I try really hard in the morning to get up, you know, some small level of meditation. You know, I'm working on that as a practice, but having coffee with my husband and doing a little bit of exercise and then really start my day about 8, 8.30 and, you know, make sure you take breaks during the day, but then end, you know, end that day at a normal time at 5, 5.30. We all know you can just sort of keep 
working right up into the dinner hour and they get right back at it. And so those boundaries are incredibly, incredibly important. Routine's important. You know, they're establishing that same level of routine that you did when you were working in the office. That seems to help me, you know, a lot. And then one thing I've been working on is sleep. You know, I used to pride myself on getting five hours of sleep, almost wore it like a badge of honor, which is ridiculous when you stop and think about it, you know, but now I'm trying really hard to watch less TV, read more and then sleep more. And I'm, I'm, I'm up to like six and a half to seven hours of sleep a night, which is a lot, you know, trying to push towards eight. But it makes a huge difference. And and I'll tell you, sleep gives you energy for that next day. I would say sleep is needed now more than ever, you know, working, you know, virtually and remotely and on video all day. Awesome. It's interesting. Like, you know, our leader, April Walker, that, you know, you know her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Every time there is an email going out after 6 p.m. or, you know, during the weekend, there's just like, I'm going to slap your hand. I mean, do not send an email. And, and, and there's a valley phone behind it. And, you know, it really makes sense. So thank you for sharing that. What I would like to do next, perhaps we're going to get to know Katie a little bit more. And I want to, you know, start with first time I met you, it was almost two years ago. And this was the first time that I met you in person. I knew you from the past. And, you know, as we were working remotely between, you know, the SoCal business and, you know, the Northwest, et cetera. But you did this speech about your personal story, Mm -hmm. something that resonated really well with me and something that till today, I still remember is like a vivid memories. And it was so inspiring. And one of the things that I learned that day, I know that today we're going through this, you know, dare to lead training inside Microsoft, but it was how you can be vulnerable and still share your experiences and help to inspire other people. That day you inspired me. So I would like to ask if that's okay with you to share about a little bit about your you know, st- uh, story and you know, how you get to where you are today as a great leader inside Microsoft. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's always great to hear that something I said or a conversation that we had, you know, had an impact on you. And so, you know, look, I, I believe that you're shaped as a leader through the experiences that you have in your life, some good and some hard, you know, we're all going to hit some level of adversity throughout our life. And mine hit me about personally, you know, probably 50, plus years ago when it kind of hit from a, you know, at its height perspective. But, you know, as a first line manager at Microsoft, I had picked up and moved my family to Atlanta. I had no family there. (laughs) And for my husband and his job, and it was going very, very well. And I found myself, you know, four years into that being in Atlanta in an incredibly challenging situation, you know, my happily ever after marriage was falling apart and I had three little girls, you know, two, five and 10. And, you know, and I think, you know, many people, and I think some people are afraid to talk about it, but, you know, my husband at the time suffered from alcoholism and it was becoming progressively worse and it was becoming an increasingly you know, volatile environment for us to be in. And, you know, it's when you talk about being courageous or when you talk about, you know, being vulnerable, you know, when I think about that time now, they really do go hand in hand because the outside looking in, everything looked perfect, you know, perfect family, perfect marriage, 
got a great job, have this lovely house. And it wasn't, it wasn't at all. And so, you know, it took a tremendous amount of courage for me to step away from that because I knew I needed to step away from that. And, and there was some incredible leaders and people in my life, you know, that helped me do that. And, and so, you know, I think one of the things that I think back on is when one of the hardest things is to be vulnerable. And in order to be vulnerable, you have to be willing to let go of some control and you have to be willing because what it means to be vulnerable is, is that you can't control the outcome of an event or an action you take or what potentially you say. And so you have to be vulnerable before you can be courageous because I was choosing comfort over courage. And what I mean by comfort was it was so hard to really face, truly face the situation that I was in to, you know, to confront it and to take action for myself and my children. And I finally did and, you know, had to rebuild and had to restart and was able to move back to, you know, the Bay Area. And I think that's just taught me a lot, taught me a lot about what it means truly to be courageous, what it means to be vulnerable, what it means to be empathetic towards other people and their situations. I had a leader at a time who was amazing, who really, who really supported me throughout the process and helped me, you know, find another role. I had to move myself and the girls back to the Bay Area, was still supported and still stayed with Microsoft, you know, and so, and that was incredibly helpful. You know, I had to rely on, you know, family to open up their homes, to support us, to give us a place to leave because we had to leave everything. So, it was a very, very dark, you know, challenging time. But, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot you can learn from that. And I think it helps shape you as a leader and how you move forward and, you know, sort of the decisions that you make, you know, moving forward. Katie, this is this is the first time I've heard this story. Um, and Ali, you know, talked to me about why this was important. Mm-hmm. And in the details he provided to me, I thought it really changed my perspective on you as a leader it, because, because at, from people, person to person, you just think, like you mentioned, you had this lovely house and this lovely, everyone has these lovely things around them. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to kind of classify who they are by the things that you see and also judge them by those things. And this is just a perfect example of not judging a book by its cover mm-hmm. and, and really understanding the adversity people have gone through. What is your best coaching for people, and you mentioned you had some of these folks that were very close to you that really helped you guide you to your best self. What's your coaching for folks in leadership, uh, in individual contributors, folks that are you know not in the business that personally want to help others and guide them to their best self? You know, there's kind of two aspects of it. You know, because you're right. You know, if you want to help someone else, or if you're someone who requires help. And so for starting with your question, if you want to, you know, kind of figure out how to help someone is, you know, just to be there for them to, you know, just to experience alongside them. I think about this manager when I was in Atlanta and I was so afraid to say anything because work was some level of normalcy for me. And I needed that to keep myself sane because there was such chaos going on you know, at home. And so when I finally reached out and let that person in, you know, she could not have been more empathetic, more understanding, like we're going to help 
were figured us out. And it was a very different, it was truly a display of empathy and action. And I know we talk a lot about it. It wasn't the, I am so sorry for you. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. Like, oh yeah, I am really sorry for me. It was horrible. You know, but if someone said, you know what? That sucks. That really sucks. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you figure this out. And she was a person of influence and power. And so that even has more meaning, right? So, you know, currently as a leader, if there's someone in your organization and they're struggling and they reach out to you, you have just such a tremendous opportunity to have such an impact on their life. And she did. I don't, I frankly do not know where I would be today without her and then the others and my family, my sister, my mom that helped me through such a hard time. But it really did take that first step of me reaching out because no one had any idea. Cause I remember when I started to let people in, they were like, Oh my God, I had no idea. You guys show up to parties. You know, your husband's the life of the party. You're the perfect couple, you're blah, blah, blah. And, and that wasn't the case at all. And so that's where I talk about, you know, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, reach out, right? Be courageous. And there, you know, there are definitely people out there that, you know, want to help. And if you are, if you are so fortunate to have someone reach out to you, just being there for them and truly being empathetic and being alongside them and giving them the courage to make some of those really hard decisions, you will absolutely change a person's life because that's what they did for me. That's so true. And as we have this conversation with a couple out of our guest speakers is that when we talk about empathy in action mm-hmm. it's always in a case that there is a hardship there's something that happened in someone's personal life you know you had your story you know i had my case with you know having my son being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and how it changed our point of view of like you know how to do things and you know how to be more empathetic to other people and it's just not just the work right but one question i have for you is the very first time that you decided to go and you know talk about all these challenges in front of like a, a large audience. What was your thinking? And, you know, what was your mindset? Uh, were you, you know, were kind of skeptical? Were you scared? Always, you know, talking about something for the first time in front of a large audience is kind of, you know, caused a lot of like stress. But what was your mindset back then when you did it for the first time? So interesting you asked that question because I was just thinking about that last night is, to be honest, it's really not until recently I've been talking about it. You know, I think it was really three years, two and a half years ago, that presentation I give Mm -hmm. gave to to the extended leadership team was really one of the first times. And then I spoke about it at a conference, but it was just a very small summary of the situation. One thing I've realized is, is that, you know, I think that there are so many people that are suffering in similar situations. And just, I think the more I can share my story or what I've experienced, and if it just helps one other person, you know, then that means everything to me. And so, and I think also, this is who I am, you know, this is who I am. And my experiences have helped shape to me. I don't think I would, I wouldn't change anything. I have three beautiful daughters and you know, they're all doing well and thriving. I was able to remarry, but that's 15 years later, you know, so, but it just starts with taking small steps and starts with being authentic. It starts with being vulnerable, which leads to being courageous. And then I think it's, you know, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, to give back. And if I can just help just one other person, then that goes a long way. We've got a lot of engagement and a lot of love coming in from the live chat. Folks, Jennifer Jennifer Stangle, thank you for being vulnerable with us today. Katie, 
many, many Fawiza, Katie, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing the story. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of people just with exclamation points behind their comments, just really uh, <laughs> adoring the That's fact nice. that you've been sharing with us. Yeah. So another question, and probably that's going to be uh, the last question. I know you're very busy and we have limited time with you. (laughs) If you think about like people that they're going to listen to this now, or maybe when the recording is available, probably you want to categorize it in two different buckets. One is people that they need some uplifting, meaning that they're going through some hardship and they need somebody like you to come and talk to them and kind of show them that, hey, this is not the end of the world. There's a lot that we can do as humans and we can help each other and help us, you know, uplifting each other. And you also have other group that they have a story to tell, but maybe they're not ready to be vulnerable and, you know, let that out. What would be your advice for both groups? You know, I think, you know, don't go at it alone, you know, and I think that one of the problems I had for many years was I isolated. And so again, as I said before, you know, think, you know, reaching out, the truth is you're, you know, you're going to reach out when you feel as if you're in a safe place, there's a level of psychological safety for you. And that's certainly, you know, understandable. But I think when, if you find yourself in any sort of level of isolation or not sharing or not being your true authentic self, you know, then I think that just progressively it gets worse and worse and worse. And what's so interesting, what I think, and I tie it all the way back to my career, my career really didn't move forward until I got very honest with myself, with my marriage, where I was at, what I wanted, how I felt as a woman and what I, you know, and what I wanted, you know, as a woman in my career, you know, when I worked through all that, as hard as that all was and got to the other side, didn't hit and uh, didn't go around the door, but went through that door. That's when I think things really, other opportunities really started to open up for me. And in part, because you start to build confidence, you start to believe in yourself again, you start to shift your, the dialogue from sort of this, why me? Why does this always happen to me? Why? And I remember this so well, because I was very much in this, why me? God, this sucks. Why me? These are my brothers. This isn't my friends. This isn't me. This isn't what the life I set out to live. And then I finally started to shift and thought, why not me? Like, why not me? Why not that opportunity? Why, why am I not the best person for that role? And I realized it all started with me and it started with me and having the confidence and the belief in myself, you know, that I could do more, that I could go for it, that I could have other experiences and other roles. And, and so, so that's probably the, uh, the best advice I, you know, I could give it just, you know, it just starts with that first decision, reaching out to that first person you know, just kind of, and then you take, make the next decision and then you start to walk through that door and you get through to the other side. And then you'll be just amazed at the opportunities that are, that are just waiting for people. And you can relate this to really anything in life, but so that's, I guess what I'd say. That's so true. Have you thought about writing a book? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Too busy. (laughs) I read a lot. I read a lot. I don't know. I'm not a great writer, so I would, I would need a lot of help. But I don't know. Maybe you've inspired me, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, oh, we'll, t- we'll tie it off with uh, Ken Miller and Matt Hughes are the last two to leave some comments. Ken says, I agree. You sharing your story and being vulnerable absolutely inspires others. And 
and Matt says it's incredibly powerful. So Katie, you really touched the lives of folks today. And I know you will be continuing to do so not only in your job at Microsoft, but also in your thought leadership and the way that you inspire others across many, many domains. So thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it a lot. Anytime. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for watching. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at thedatabinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.